All right, let's just get it out of the way. Let's get it out of the way at the top of the show. Your daily Grant Briggs update is not going to happen in the second or the third segment today. Your daily Grant Briggs update is going to come at the top of the show. And Well, guys, uh, if you haven't seen it, there's a uh, prediction in. And maybe predictions. I've just seen the one. Yeah, multiple. Uh, Fong, Steve Wilt Fong, has put in a prediction for Grant Briggs, and it is to the University of Nebraska. And that prediction happened this morning. Dad Gummits. Mm. Yeah. That hurts. Yeah. I look, you're still gonna end up with a really nice class. We can talk about the offensive line class and how big of a disappointment this is, but does this mean a uh, decision is going to follow here pretty soon if multiple predictions are rolling in for Nebraska? Here is what mm-hmm. I know. I know the visit to Kansas State this weekend is not happening. Oh, okay. Well, that's, that's not good now. <laughs> I would expect a decision relatively soon. And though I believe at this point there is more of a chance he ends up going to Nebraska than Oklahoma, I don't believe anything has been finalized between the two. There is a lot of a lot of Nebraska buzz right now. You don't think just, he's told the OU staff just yet? I don't believe he has officially committed, if that's what you're asking. Now, I I just can't make sense of this one, man. And, like, it, it, admittedly, it has always been, and I've said before, it's a recruitment that's been a little bit different, right? The kids won hang-up with Nebraska was that he had no way of knowing whether they would win and no way of knowing whether Matt Rule and his staff were going to be able to establish a proof of concept and really turn things around in Lincoln. And the Huskers are 5-6 and six right now. I know, Tyler. and so probably going to be 5-7 this done, It's not as if they have done things to break through and kind of uh, – undermine some of those apprehensions for bricks he was just at oklahoma a week and a half ago and if this uh, if this is indeed going nebraska's direction in the end most everybody should understand like what's at the root of this decision it's it's the 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 nebraska semi we got to go tip it over this weekend is what we need to do is that what you're going to say the nebraska semi no, you're going to say proximity to home is the root of the decision here for Grant Brooks. Yes, yeah, again, and this is always mm-hmm. what it was about, right? Oklahoma, they were – Bricks and his family were very open about the fact that Oklahoma, in their eyes and a lot of people's eyes, offered a much better opportunity for development. And if you were going to go with you know, the football if, – if, if you were going to make this decision solely based on football, it would have been Oklahoma. But there was a little bit more to it than that. There is a little bit more to it than that for this kid as a small-town dude who's only ever known – who's hardly ever known a world outside of Logan, Iowa. And so, like, look, there are things that could still happen to jolt this recruitment in one direction or the other, but – I, I said it last week, and I will reiterate it. If Grant Bricks indeed picks Nebraska, end of the day, there was never really anything keeping him from Nebraska in the first place because the <laughs> and, and, and that's going to sound like revisionist history. It's not, and that's because 
you never knew at the end of the day what was going to make the kid's decision for him and ultimately what was going to matter more to him when the decision came time to be made. Was he going to go with his instinct as to what was going to get him further in the sport of football at Oklahoma? Or was he going to feel Nebraska tugging at his heartstrings being the option that was closest to home? And that was always the thing you had to worry about if you were uh, hoping that the Sooners would land Grant Bricks. Always had to worry about the fact that Nebraska was just right up the road, and regardless of what their record might be, uh, regardless of who might be the offensive line coach next year, because there's a good chance it's not Donovan Riola, proximity is really all that Nebraska needed to offer. In Seems order like it's to have the biggest factor here. A very yeah. strong pitch to the kid. Now, was it going to be decisive? Not necessarily, but with a kid like that, again. It, there was always the chance that he was just going to make that decision with his heart. Well, I was rooting for the craziness uh, to end with this recruitment, like as, as recently as yesterday. Like, all right, I'd, I'd like to reach a decision here. Let's not let this thing drag on all the way to the second signing day. Let's, uh, let's end all this. And now, now I'm bought back in. Let's get back into the craziness. Let's get back in. Let's see all the Nebraska predictions today, and then nothing happens for the next two weeks. He... Uh, he 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 doesn't tell Oklahoma it's happening. He doesn't officially commit to Nebraska. Let's let the craziness ramp up once again, which isn't totally off the table, I'm sure. Not totally off the table, but it does look like uh, Nebraska should feel pretty good about their chances with Grant Bricks at yeah. this at this time. And they should. I'm just wondering, like, is there going to be another bizarre twist to all of this? Because I, it looked like the kid was going to imminently commit to Oklahoma at this time a month ago. Now it looks like the kid is going to imminently commit to Nebraska. But there's some part of it that's going, man, is, like, is this really where it ends? Is this just going to be it? Are we finally, like, up against the end of days here in this recruitment? Do we need, do we need to take the OU football semi-truck? I, I, I know that they just had a long journey out to Provo and back, but if it needs to drive up to Logan, Iowa this weekend, if that's what it takes to flip this one around – then uh, we need we need to get on that. I uh, uh, we we know the guys that drive the semi up there, so maybe maybe they're willing to make that happen this weekend. Scott T says late to the party. So did Bricks commit to Nebraska? Well, no. I it just, there's just crystal balls that are rolling in for um, at least I don't think he's committed to Nebraska. He hasn't publicly committed to Nebraska. Uh, privately, who knows? But just crystal balls. Wilt Fong put in one uh, this morning for Bricks to Nebraska. So. Yeah, that's 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 where we're at right now. This listener in Texas says, I understand the Bricks decision, but the frustrating part is all the wasted time, money, and effort spent on someone that was truly never going to come to OU. And I hear that, but again, you couldn't bank on the fact that he wasn't going to come to OU because you didn't know whether it was going to be a head or a heart decision because that's really what it was, and we've talked about it for months. That was the tension here. The heart was the reason that Nebraska was still in play because it was close to home. The head favored Oklahoma. And so it's not, I guess in the end it is kind of wasted time, money, and effort. It is because it didn't culminate or isn't looking like it's going to culminate. Yeah, e Freaky from Illinois saying the kid owes you gas money <laughs> at this point. <laughs> yeah, and this listener also asked, Parker, do you just always feel lied to doing this job? I don't know how you do it. No, I don't feel lied to. If he commits to Nebraska, okay, fine. I mean, what he told me last I went up there three weeks ago was there's a good chance I don't take that visit to Kansas State, which, fact check, 
not taking the visit yeah. to Kansas State, so he was right on there. And he said, look, I got I got three options that I'm really, really comfortable with. And everything he and his family had told me all along about the dilemma between OU and Nebraska, man, it's held up. And I felt, as did many, that in the end, Oklahoma was going to be the choice. If Nebraska is the choice, okay. I, yeah, I don't think I don't think very many lies were told. Like on that text, it didn't sound like very many lies were told during this recruitment. Now there were probably not probably there were some moments where if you're on the OU side of things, you you had reason to be pretty confident or feel good about this one. But just I, I think it was pretty straightforward for several weeks now what this was going to be all about, and it, it it came down to exactly what we were saying. Two scenarios here. Which one's he going to pick? Yeah. Now. <laughs> This listener in the 405 says, heard OU are the ones washing their hands because Briggs didn't tell them anything when he visited. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I will say this. Oklahoma's done pushing. Like, at this point, the decision that he makes is the decision that they're going to be content with. Uh, the recruiting doomer says, kid is a loser. Go be 5-6 and six in the Big Ten West. Laughing face emoji, loser. So they may go 5-7 and seven this year, and it's not the season that they had hoped for, but is 5-7 and seven their best season? Since the last time they made a bowl game back in 2016, because they were winning like three or four games. We're like talking about the uh, the growth of the Nebraska program. Like they still don't win six games, which is just, you know, not not a great season for them. But feels like they still won more games this year, like the past four or five years. So Nebraska on the uh, on the up and up. Look at them. Doug says, is there anything? This is Doug and Norman, by the way. Is there anything to benefit from the claims being constantly made by you two that the Sooners are in the lead for this guy or that guy? Your hearts keep getting in the way of the reality that not everyone is dying to go to OU. Look, Doug, this is the nature of covering recruiting, okay? I can say OU leads for this guy or that guy, and that doesn't necessarily mean the kid's going to end up committing to Oklahoma. I can't predict, I can't gaze into a crystal ball and tell you what decision these kids are going to make in the end, when the chips are down and you're out of time and you got to make a call one way or another. All I can do is give you my best educated guess. And the guess, it would appear, happens to be wrong with Bricks if this indeed does go Nebraska's way. Well, kids, kids change their minds. They do. Uh, especially at that age, for sure. So um, I, I, I think, uh, like obviously, people on the text line want to grant Bricks in this class. We've yeah. talked about it enough. But is there... there is there an overwhelming feeling of disappointment today on the text line like we've dealt with with uh, some prospects in the class that OU doesn't get? I, not really. You know what I'm reading a lot of today? Uh, so the mama's boy is going to Lincoln. Let him go. Uh, good riddance. Whatever. That's fine. Uh, some are calling him certain names. Like Some are like almost, all right, I, I, I was done with this anyway. Like He wanted to stay home. Whatever. Let him stay home. We'll be fine here moving forward. So there's not as much disappointment with this as I thought that there might be. If, if this ends up happening. There's just crystal balls that commit hasn't necessarily publicly happened yet. So all in all, I think we're doing okay, psyche-wise, with, uh, with this one. Guy from Parts Unknown says, guessing wrong is fine. Happens. Pretending he can't develop into just as great alignment under Donovan is naive. I don't think it's naive, Guy. I mean, Bill Biedenboe develops better than the vast majority of offensive line coaches in the FBS. Now, I will say, I think Grant Bricks is good enough and has the requisite athletic tools to one day be an NFL draft pick regardless of where he goes to school. I don't think, you know, 
it's, oh, go be a first-rounder under Bill Biedenboe or go be an also-ran at Nebraska. No, I don't think the kid's going to be an also-ran. I think he's going to have a good college career. But undeniably, Bill Biedenboe, based on his track record, has squeezed more out of his guys and probably could squeeze more out of Bricks than whoever might be coaching offensive line at Nebraska next year. But again, for that kid, like the, does it really matter that much that he's willing to spend his college days seven hours away from home instead of an hour and a half? So and what do they have? Looks like the answer is probably no. Four O-line commits right now. Um, it looks like you're probably going to end up with four on signing day. Do you think they make any late offers here? Um, if they want to add, is it going to be via the portal now? Like, What's the plan now moving forward if you don't think you're going to get bricks in EPL? Do you address it in this class? Do you try to be more aggressive in 25, or do you go to the portal to shore, to shore up some things? I think you go to the portal at this point. And go to the portal and then make another big push well, in 25. And, and see if you can convince Tyler Guyton to come back, right? Good luck on that one. I mean, if he's like, there, there's some mock drafts out there that have him as a top 20 pick. So, and again, like, what, what, and I had this down in the rundown sheet today. That comment from Brent Venables yesterday is still, I mean, it's really intriguing. Like, is, is Guyton going to start? Is Guyton going to play on Friday? Because apparently he was available to play in Provo. And Brent essentially said, well, yeah, we like the way that uh, Jake Sexton has been playing over there. It's like, he led on that both were available, and they started Jake Sexton and played Jake Sexton over Tyler Guyton, which, I, I don't know, makes me makes me wonder about things, I guess. If uh, Guyton's going to be available this Friday, and if he's not, you definitely think he's off to the NFL, right? Just an interesting comment there by the head coach during the press conference. Uh, oh, boy, a lot of text to get to. 405-651-3439. Where are you guys at with the uh, 2024 class now? Now that Bricks is being fonged and predicted to go to Nebraska. No change? Still feel pretty good about things? Down about the offensive line class? We'll get to those comments. More OU Cruton as well right here on The Ref. Locked in with McComas and Thune live on The Ref. We are the homeless Sooner fans. Tyler McComas, Parker Thune, and you, the Ref Army, listening worldwide as well. I got a computer today, so we're good. We can look at the app map today. Thanks to Perry here at the station. We're all set now. Brussels, Belgium is tuned in today. Portland, Oregon. Brentwood, California. Chandler, Arizona. Frisco, Texas. Denver, Colorado. Fort Smith, Arkansas. St. Clairsville, Ohio. And our small Oklahoma town of the day, Broken Bow, Oklahoma. That wouldn't be a bad place to spend uh, Thanksgiving on Thursday. Broken Bow, Oklahoma, our small Oklahoma town of the day. Ref Army Locator is brought to you by Affordable Door Company, where they do residential garage doors, commercial garage doors, service and repair, and garage door openers as well. That's Affordable Door Company. Check them out, affordabledoor.net. A lot of text to get to. A lot of people got a lot of different opinions. Let's get to them now. 731, perfectly content with this 2024 class, especially because who knows who this staff will be able to pull from the portal. Also, how chaotic do y'all think December 4th will be? December 4th across the sport is going to be extremely chaotic. And Duke head coach Mike Elko essentially said that uh, earlier this week. I think he said it yesterday, is that it's just going to be no one is safe from this. And it's going to be absolute craziness once the uh, portal window opens. And uh, what he said, we're probably about 13 days away from complete anarchy in the Wild West. It's literally open free agency for all of college football. Well, I, don't ag- I don't disagree with Mike Yoko. No, that's essentially what it's become, man. And so many of these guys, I mean, you, 
you got guys who can transfer two, even three times by the end of their college career. So there, there may be, there may be repeat customers in the transfer portal. Heck, JT Daniels, right? Guys like that. It's like one school this year, one school the next year, and then another the following year. And free agency is a pretty accurate analogy for what this has become in college football. Yeah, his and, his closet looks like a sporting goods store, doesn't it? JT Daniels with all the different gear that he has from all, all the schools that he's played at over the years. Man, it's it's he's been all over the place. He's probably played in just about every single conference uh, at this point in his career. Where's he at Rice this season? JT Daniels at Rice yeah, this at year? Rice. Nice. Frisco Sooner, uh, Grant Bricks would have been a nice addition, but Beatonbow and OU will hit the portal and solve that problem. Uh, 918, please help us understand how the only OU coach to produce first-round picks, Harrison Guyton, presumably, is the only one who does not seem to be getting the SEC recruiting bump. What do you think? I don't know, man. I like. Look, and this is going to sound like an indictment of Bill Biedenboe. I don't intend it to be. Because I think Bill B, like I, I literally do not think you can upgrade from Bill Biedenboe realistically at the University of Oklahoma. But I think, look, Biedenboe is a guy who's in his 50s now. And I think there's kind of a generational gap between him and these prospects. And the way that that manifests is, well, Biedenboe's about one thing, right? And that's about ball. He coaches hard, unapologetically hard, and the way Biedenboe coaches, it is not for everybody. It is not for everybody at all. I mentioned it uh, in a column over the weekend. I Earlier this year, I watched Bill Biedenboe cuss out Nate Anderson for minutes in pregame warm-ups. Because he was three seconds late to get lined up with the field goal unit. Nice. Bill Biedenboe mm. is as intense and as demanding a coach as you will find. And that is part of the reason why the guys who sign up to play for him end up being so good. Right? That is the reason Caden Green is starting at left guard as a true freshman for this program. It is because when that's what you sign up for and you understand the expectations, you understand what's going to be asked of you, and you open yourself up to it and you embrace it, well, that coaching style is what's going to get you to new heights as a football player. But it's also a coaching style that isn't going to appeal to some dudes. Yeah, um, and, and and look, I, there's a lot of people down on Bill Biedenboe right now on the, uh, on the text line, which is 405-651-3439 if you want to offer your thoughts. I thought his class last year was good. I mean, you're seeing Caden Green here really play some good football down the stretch of the season. He was a highly sought-after recruit, and they got him. So I, I just don't think it's been whiff after whiff over the course of the past two years. But, yeah, you thought you were going to have – at least one of EPL and Grant Bricks, and now it looks like you might have zero. So 2025, a big recruiting class for him for sure. And he's going to get at least four commits in this class. But um, 2025, yeah, it'd be nice if he goes out and gets a top 100 offensive lineman somewhere. And he'll have an opportunity, right? Michael Fasusi, is he a top 100 guy? Um, There's a couple out in uh, Gorman and there in Vegas. So I'm just trying to think of 
prospects in 25 who are on OU's board, and there's about two to three probably top 100 players at o, on O-line, right? Yeah, Fasusi would be great to have. Lamont Rogers down at Mesquite Horn, he'd be great to have. That's a top 100 guy. Ty Haywood at Denton Ryan. Uh, I'm trying to think of some others down in the state of Texas. It's a Marcus Garcia also at Ryan. This is a really, really good crop of offensive line talent in the state of Texas in 2025. Another guy that Biedenboe got in on early is Andrew Babalola, top 25 player in the nation up in the Kansas City area. So, yeah, this is going to be kind of a prove-it class for Biedenboe because people are (laughs) – he does does take some flack from the fans for the way that he recruits – and if in 2025 he doesn't land at least one or two of those top 100 guys, the noise is going to get louder. And yep. I don't think it's going to affect his job security at all because I don't think Joe Castiglione is wringing his hands over what the recruiting rankings say about Bill Beaton-Bosall. But as far as public perception among the fans, yeah, it'll go a long way. 580, we got David Stone. We all wanted the top tier to D-line recruits and got one in David Stone. Uh, 405, <laughs> this is funny. Looks like it's a wrap on Kevin Sperry as KRF Recruiter of the Month. And with just over a week to go in the month, yeah, uh, Kevin Sperry is the overwhelming leader right now for KRF Recruiter of the Month. The first time an assistant coach won't get KRF Recruiter of the Month is probably going to be in the month of November with Kevin Sperry. Because, I mean, we've been talking about it now for a few weeks. Who's left on your 2024 board if Grant Bricks does indeed commit to Nebraska here soon? I mean, EPL, I guess, is still technically on it. Cameron Campbell, uh, the defensive back out of the state of Florida, is still technically on it. But, I mean, like, now with Grant Bricks maybe close to a decision, like, dude, we're, we're really getting towards, we're really getting towards the end of 2024 for OU. It just comes down to now, do they offer anyone late in this class or not? An offensive line at this point, no, I, I I don't think they will. I think they will look to the portal. That is my opinion. Yeah. Mark in Newcastle says, with all three USC turmoil, any chance of flipping offensive lineman uh, Jason Zandamella? I guess they could try and do that here. I mean, there's just we're just we're less than a month away until signing day. Maybe you can try and flip someone, but it's you're, you're going to have to move pretty quickly to do so. Yeah, That's going to be tough. I, I don't think Jason Zandamel is flipping. He's pretty solidly committed. Now, uh, the recruiting doomer says, it, it, like, imagine, of all people, this is the recruiting doomer saying this. People need to shut up. BB is the bee's knees. I love this class and coaching staff. That kind of rhymes. Nice, nice job. First off, doomer. yeah, bars. Secondly... I don't know if we can call you the recruiting doomer anymore. Yeah, well, he did say earlier that the kid's a loser. <laughs> right, right above the text you wow, just read. Wow, okay, well, I... he did, he, Kid's obviously a loser, and then kid is a loser in back-to-back text there from recruiting doomer. So I, I, I think he gets to uphold the – I think he gets to keep the name. Santa John says, we'll flip bricks on ESD. That's not National Signing Day. What is, what is ESD? That's early signing Early day. signing day? Okay. One month from yesterday. Mm-hmm. December 20th. Uh, 7.08 for the state of Illinois. Paul, the Iowa kid, looks slow in that viral Twitter video that I saw one time. So obviously a W4OU. I, I do remember that from a couple of months ago. What was that, the Cincinnati weekend? Did you go see him Cincinnati weekend? And he was going through warm-ups and people thought he looked incredibly slow in warm-ups. Maybe you weren't up there. Maybe it was somebody else. But I do remember that being a thing at one yes. point this year. Yes, that was a thing. 
He was half kind of jogging, half walking. Everybody was like, this kid can't yeah. play. Well, so right now on Rivals, you're ranked 6th. 24-7, you're ranked 7th. And we had been talking about um, throughout the entire cycle, can you get back-to-back top five classes? Well, if Grant Bricks is not going to be in the fold, I feel like this kind of ends your pursuit of having a top five class. So more realistically, what are we talking about here? Um, I think definitely a top 10 class for OU. Can they finish as a top eight class if they are indeed done with 2024 prospects? Six right now on Rivals, seven on 24-7. I forget what they are on on three, maybe eight or nine. Top 10, yes. Can they get to top eight? Are they just going to have to hang on here for another month until early signing day? I don't... I don't see the ceiling being higher than seven or eight, absent a huge flip or two, i.e. Williams Winery, Dominic McKinley, Terry Bussey, etc. Sands, those guys, I think best case scenario, you're looking at maybe the number seven, number eight. Yes. Yeah. Uh, 405 just says, am I blocked? No. Jay Green, you are not blocked. I saw your text yesterday morning. You said Gators can definitely roll on, uh, can definitely roll on land. You are, uh, you are not blocked. 405-651-3439 is the Knippelbeier Chevrolet text line. I guess on three did a rankings update recently, and I've got some uh, movers for you. How many OU players in the top 100 and the top 200? Who rose up the rankings on on three? Who dropped down in the rankings on on three? We'll tell you next right here on The Ref. Locked in with McComas and Thune live on The Ref. We're the homeless Sooner fans. On three, updated its rankings recently. Here's what they had. David Stone is the number nine overall player in the 24 class. They move him up from the number 18 player overall. Taylor Tatum at number 33, up from number 51. Zion Kearney up to 71 from 77. Devon Mitchell up uh, to 92 from 121. So, OU on on three got four top 100 players and then nine in the top 200. Nigel Smith to 128 from 225. That's a pretty big jump there. Danny Okoye down to 135 from number 70. Reggie Powers down to number 183 from number 151. Ivan Carrion up to number 198 from 207. Zion Raggins uh, up from 199. Uh, from 247. So the biggest mover there, Nigel Smith, who moved up almost 100 spots. Not bad. And that was kind of predictable because Nigel Smith doesn't really do camps. And we've talked about it for a while. Once he got on the field as a senior and put that tape on, he was going to rise. He has, and I think he will continue to. I'd be willing willing to bet that by the end of the cycle – he closes as a top 100 player across the board on every single recruiting service. Yeah, um, 24-7, they have a story out every single Tuesday. Like, here, here's some prospects we saw over the weekend. They saw Nigel Smith in person. They say Smith was a bright spot up front for a Melissa defense that gave up 217 rushing yards and 370 yards of total offense. The OU commit flashed several times, flying into the backfield and playing with violence at the point of attack. On several occasions, Smith caved in the interior of South Oak Cliff's O-line and caused negative plays. Smith should continue to grow into an interior disruptor at the next level for Brent Venables and the Sooners. And he's a good player. Um, We've talked about that enough. Feels just like personality-wise, kind of everything he's about. He fits fits the nature of this program quite, quite well. I mean, he was a guy that 
felt like OU was always a leader for him for over two years. Just just feels like what this program is all about that Nigel Smith's going to fit in pretty well with that. To himself, does his job, you know, just hard worker, like everything that you kind of everything that you kind of want in a yeah. defensive lineman. I mean, if good you player. Could, if you could have 11 dudes with Nigel Smith's talent level and Nigel Smith's mentality and work ethic on the defensive side of the ball, you'd have a championship level defense. Taylor Tatum from the online stream 24/7 watched him. Tatum ran really hard in Longview High School's convincing 52-14 5A second round playoff route of Frisco Reedy from uh, McKinney Stadium. He punched in two early short yardage goal line touchdowns and also erased a couple of pursuit angles on a 37-yard reverse that set up a half-inning 22-yard field goal. Uh, Looks like he finished the night with 17 carries for 136 and two touchdowns. He continues to show highly instinctive running back play with early acceleration and convicted run finishing ability. That's a really good evaluation. That's for Gabe Brooks. Yeah, those are the two things that stand out about Taylor Tatum to me is the instinct and the acceleration. He can go 0 to 60 in a hurry and he just like he's got that sixth sense which you have to have as a running back. And in kind of expounding upon what that sixth sense looks like, the best way I can explain it is to liken it to Kennedy Brooks's running style. Kennedy Brooks was not especially fast or especially athletic relative to others at the running back position. 100%. But what made him so special was he just he kind it was almost like he knew where the hole was going to be before it opened up. And he understood exactly how to exploit a defense's weaknesses whether they were right there in front of his face or not. If he saw a weakness within the front seven, a little wrinkle that he could slip through, he was going to do it. And I see that same quality in Taylor Tatum. Just highly productive, man. You, you know what you're going to get out of him. It's like uh, he's going to have a, at least 125 yards and a couple touchdowns every single game. Feels like every time I've seen a Taylor Tatum stat line from a Friday night before, it's it's just that. Just highly, highly productive. And he's um, he's only shown this year, his senior year at Longview, that he is the number one running back in the country. Uh, that's And no one's disputing that at this point. That's why they got an All-American jersey. Uh, this past week. Speaking of running backs, since we sat on the same row as his parents, and I think Gabe Sawchuck was there at the game as well, Yeah, he's got a USC offer, he's got a Colorado offer, he's got an Arizona State offer, he doesn't have an OU offer, he's a three-star out of Valor Christian in the 24 class. I'm sure OU would take him as a preferred walk-on if that's what he wanted to do, yeah. but is he CU bound, is he USC bound? Where's uh, Gavin Sawchuck's little brother going? I th- I'll say this. I think there's a decent chance he does end up at OU as a preferred walk I'll take that, man. And if that opportunity is extended to him, I believe he would take it. be hard to turn that down. as a. I mean, I, I, mean, I just think that would be ideal for OU just to say, I mean, we can get this guy here who has a USC and a Colorado offer and an Arizona State offer on a preferred walk-on. Like, I know we got the number one running back in the country, but, yeah, you, you take that type of player. Obviously, older brother's really starting to look like the best running back on the team. So if you can get uh, if you can get little brother here with older brother, that's that that'd be I think that'd be pretty ideal at this point. This listener in the six one five has declared war on Zach Schmidt. Uh oh. There are probably one hundred high school kickers enrolled at OU who can consistently hit twenty eight yard field goals and not put kickoffs out of bounds. Yeah, the uh, mm. Brent really. 
Brent really let on that he's going to be the kicker on Friday, and maybe he will be, but if a missed field goal happens, boy, that place is going to come. It's it's going to be a problem on Friday if they trot Zach Schmidt out there and he misses another makeable field goal. He cannot be your kicker next year. There has got to be. Oh, oh yeah, that's like, like that's, and I, I'm I'm totally good with that. Yeah, man. Like, this experiment needs to last no longer than two more games because. I, you have an upgrade coming in in Liam Evans. I don't care that he's a true freshman. He will be an upgrade over Zach Schmidt. And you have that that Andy Purcell kid who was apparently first-team All-State in Oklahoma last year as a kicker and is just casually posting 60-yard field goals from inside the Everest Center. Which has been just blowing up all over the. I mean, it's been uh, it's been timely content for a lot of people. They they've really been searching out some of those kicks. But yeah, I, in, in in Saturday was it was the worst moment for Zach Schmidt because it was the worst miss that he's had. What oh, was that? It was a bad. Twenty seven yard field goal, twenty eight yard field goal, and he just hooks it wide left. I mean, he's missed some kicks this year, but that was the worst miss that he's had. The spot in the game, being only twenty eight yards, missing it like he did. Yeah, man. Um, they'll. I. I gotta think they'll look at other options. They will look at other options in the off season. But I'm kind of with you, man. Like they. They probably need to find another kicker uh, going into 24. And they're lucky it hasn't cost them a game yet. You know. That's they're 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 really fortunate. the The margin the margin for error is even slimmer in the SEC. So you you better have a good kicker next year, one that you can rely on. You you better have that man. And you better have a guy with some range too. Like Zach Schmidt has never hit from beyond fifty yards. You got to have somebody that can line it up and knock it down from distance. Zane says, "I know it's easy for me to say now, but I always felt like it was kind of obvious that Grant Bricks was an uphill battle, considering he was waiting for reason not to go to OU. If he wanted to go to OU, he would have been committed a long time ago." Well, it it's interesting that you can kind of tell how OU felt about this at after a certain point. Because you and I were talking about it like, oh, yeah, I don't eh. Here's your daily Grant Bricks update. I don't know. The timeline's kind of fuzzy here. Who knows? Sounds like OU kind of got to that point to where it's like, all right, I mean, we're, we're going to just stop pushing here as much yeah. as we have been. M- make a decision, man, and whatever it is, we'll live with it and move forward. Yeah. Well, to, and to be fair, like, you can say that, and that's fine, speaking of that text message. But the same could be said of Nebraska. Like, throughout this whole process, if you were a Nebraska fan, you could say, well, if he wanted to stay close to home, he would have committed long ago. Why would he still be toying with Oklahoma and Kansas State? So, again, it's just one of those deals where the kid faced a, a really hard decision between – or faces, I suppose, a really hard decision between two schools that he likes and feels comfortable with. They have their pros. They have their cons. Ultimately, familiarity and proximity looks like it's going to win out. Uh, Dave from Norman, whatever happened with EPL? Well, he never showed up, really. That's that's kind of really what happened there. And I've got to guess that he's not going to show up on Friday, the day after Thanksgiving, for an 11 a.m. game. Whatever happened with EPL, well, you felt like you were going to get his commitment whenever he showed up, but he just kept on not showing up to home games. I'm just done with that one, man. If And I'm sure the staff of, is, too, at this point. Regardless you know? of where EPL commits, I just... I, I could not be bothered. I'm sure they will take him. Like if he just sure if he says tomorrow, all right, enough messing around. I want to commit to you. I'm sure. Yeah, Bill Beatenbow and staff would take that. But it's almost like they were with Grant Bricks. Like, all right, you didn't show up to campus. We thought we were going to get you here. 
Um, we're just do, do what you want. We'll take you if you want to come here, but we're going to stop pressing so much for it. It's probably what's going on there. Uh, 405-651-3439. Fair point by the text line. I said it's uh, crazy that it hadn't cost you a game yet. And it says we actually do win if he hits both field goals at Kansas. He didn't attempt a field goal at Kansas. I thought that he – oh, they went for it on that fourth down, didn't they, early in the game. Right? Yeah. yeah he did not attempt a field goal in that football game. So he that was one a, against that, Oklahoma that State. That missed one against Oklahoma State where uh, you ended up losing that game. Yeah. All right, 405-651-3439 is the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line. We'll get to more text, more OU Cruton, more OU football as well, right here on The Ref. Buick GMC in El Reno, bringing you the sour of Locked In with McComas and Thune. Dorsey Jones, Buick GMC, yep, you guessed it, they sell Buicks and GMCs, which are some of the best trucks and SUVs on the road. Dorsey Jones, Buick GMC in El Reno. Uh, where's this tech? Camo Sooner, this hour of radio has been a little depressing. Yeah, sorry about that, but, you know, Grant Bricks News, uh, pretty big story right now. Scott T. says, what's your favorite Thanksgiving tradition? Not recruiting, but I, if I can get you guys off topic a little. Well, it's the by God Dallas Cowboys playing every Thanksgiving. I think I'm uh, obligated to say that, even as a Cowboys fan. But uh, it is fun watching the Egg Bowl. Every single uh, Thanksgiving evening, because you just never know what's going to happen in that game. Someone can score a touchdown, act like the goalpost, uh, act like a dog peeing on the goalpost, and it essentially costs someone the football game. The Egg Bowl is one where you never, it's normally two teams battling for their sixth win in a bowl berth. It's a fun little rivalry. I don't believe I've ever watched the Egg Bowl. You've never watched the Egg Bowl? I don't think I've ever watched the Egg Bowl. Whoa! This wow. this might be the year. I hate. I mean, I look. It, if you go another ten years without watching the Egg Bowl, I'm sure that you'll still be okay. But there's some entertaining moments from time to time. What do I have to look forward to in the Egg Bowl this year? Um, like Ole Miss is going to roll, right? The game is in Stark Vegas, I believe. Here's what you have to look forward to. If Ole Miss loses, maybe that helps your chances of uh, getting to a New Year's Six bowl game. Potentially, maybe. I think they're ranked right, uh, ranked right in front of you, or might be tonight. I don't know. It's just college football that's on on a Thursday night. All right, so you're rooting, take for, that. You're rooting for Mississippi State. Oh, definitely. Yeah, I'm definitely rooting for Mississippi State. You, you buy that Jeff Levy is like a serious contender for the Mississippi State job because, like, the, no, no, the no, noise, no, 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 the no. noise is intensifying at least on that end. I think that Jamie Chadwell is going to get the Mississippi State job. That's who I think is going to get it. So, will Jeff Lebby get an interview, or has he been interviewed? I, maybe. I don't think he's the leading candidate. What about you? I don't know. I just I find it interesting that there is as much talk as there has been on the Mississippi State side about Jeff Lebby potentially being their next head coach. I guess the Zach Selman connection, it makes sense. Turnbow and OKC, I'll take Levy as the new OC in Pittsburgh. <laughs> oh, yeah, the Steelers finally got rid of Matt Canada, didn't they? Yeah, fire Canada! They all were all wearing T-shirts and yelling it and all sorts of things. So they, they finally finally fired the guy. Uh, Bryce Underwood, five-star in 2025, five-star quarterback, predicted to LSU. Look at Brian Kelly, maybe getting him a top-flight quarterback in that class. Mm. You think it was his dance moves that won? I think, without a doubt, it's his dance moves and that Cajun accent. Jeff from OKC. Okay, guys, what would be one SEC tradition you are looking forward to to seeing in person? 
I'm definitely not looking forward to arriving in Athens and grown men coming up to me and going, and barking at me like a dog in my face. Not looking forward to that one. Um, the cowbells are probably going to get quite annoying. They, in oh, they definitely will. Uh, Trust me. Like speaking from experience at the College World Series, you get tired of the cowbells very quickly. Definitely, the Grove in Oxford is what immediately came to mind for me. Is the SEC tradition that I'm looking looking forward to the most with uh, crazy expensive chandeliers in the uh, tailgate tents there. The Grove, number one for me. How many like SEC traditions are there? I'll, I'll, I'll tell you. Ooh, I'll tell you what mine is. I, okay. If you don't say this one, I got one that you may not be thinking of, but you're going to like. has to do with your one of your favorite bands. <laughs> yeah, that, well, that's exactly where I was yes. going. Yes. Uh, the pre-fourth quarter stadium sing-along yeah, in Gainesville. Yeah, that's, that's going to be sweet. I've witnessed that. I've been part of that before. You've seen a game at the Swamp yes. before? Yes. Oh, 20, nice. 2017, it was the second week they ever did it. So it was the first time that like everybody like knew what was happening and was all in with it because it was not more than three weeks after Tom Petty passed. And so they did I Won't Back Down for the second time ever in a game against Texas A&M, and I was there for it. <laughs> Boomer Bowtie says, good job. Your barking got my dog barking. <laughs> nice. I just – that's what Georgia fans do. It's, it's weird, man. Like, we uh, we never really talk about Georgia fans being weird and creepy, but that is weird and creepy you when got, grown you men gotta be a certain type of are on all fours crawling up and they're barking at other people before and after a football game. I'm all up for being crazy. That, that but is that verging would, on mental illness. Yeah, it's definitely... There's no traditions at Missouri other than having a dorky Rock M in the end zone. Um, the Aggie, the Aggie chance or whatever. It's, it's definitely the grow for me. Yeah. Final answer there. The rush is coming up next. Bob Stoops joins us at 320 right here on the, on the rush.